Love the idea of meeting new business contacts, but feel uncomfortable taking the steps to do it? You're not alone. I'm Stephanie Francis Ward, and on today's Asked and Answered, I'm speaking with Tiziana Cacharo, a University of Toronto professor. She and two other professors conducted a series of studies on professional networking. As they explained in the recently published article in Administrative Science Quarterly, their studies found that networking makes many people feel dirty. Professor, why do you think networking is such an uncomfortable experience for so many professionals? It's not actually all types of networking. Certain specific kinds make people feel particularly bad. And by bad, uh, we mean not just that they don't like it, it means that they feel morally contaminated, almost impure, to the point that they feel dirty physically and uh, wish to cleanse themselves, meaning taking a shower. It's at that level of visceral reaction that we are, we are discovering. But certain kinds of networking do that much more than others. So the, the type of networking that people feel worse about is professional networking, so networking that you do to enhance your career and your professional life, and that is also intentional, not just the spontaneous, serendipitous networking that you might encounter as you go along your day without any uh, premeditation, so to speak, but the networking that you do by way of planning and calculating. That combination of professional and intentional is what makes people feel the worst. That's interesting. So I want to make sure I understand this correctly. Say you meet someone who might be able to help you in a professional setting at the gym that probably wouldn't make you feel uncomfortable per se. If you were planning to go to a cocktail reception for, say, a bar event, that might make you uncomfortable? Is that what your research, or more uncomfortable? Is that what the research found? That is exactly right. The uh, spontaneously occurring uh, networking opportunities make you feel less bad uh, than the ones that you try to pursue uh, with a premeditated plan, in a sense. That's also true that, you know, the professional content, the networking that you do to enhance your career makes you feel worse. Then networking that is more social, uh, trying to make new friends doesn't make you feel nearly as bad as trying to build professional content. There's a reason for it. So do you think, as your research show, say that you are going to a bar event specifically for work and you tell yourself on the way there, okay, I'm going to this, I'm going to see if I can meet some interesting people, chat some people up, and just see what happens. Are you probably going to be more comfortable and ergo do better than if you say, I'm going to this networking event, I must network? Yes. We found not necessarily in this particular uh, article you mentioned, but in other uh, related research, that one big predictor of how dirty people feel in the process of networking has to do with how they approach it, exactly the way you described it. So people that network for the um, pursuit of the possibilities with a kind of learning orientation, with the joy of the potential, feel much better about it than people that network because they feel that they have to, that it's part of the job, it's an, almost an obligation that they have to live up to. That kind of um, duty-driven networking uh, feels much worse to people. So just to draw on like an old 1970s cliche, stop and smell the roses when you go to these events as opposed to just go there on a 
laser-driven path is what it sounds like to me. Exactly. Uh, it's the, op- the open-mindedness of going to this event and uh, just be willing to explore, willing to learn, be curious without any specific uh, intent uh, is a lot easier, much more palatable than the premeditated type that kind of zeroes in on a specific person because they're powerful, because they have resources. I was curious, too, in terms of people's reluctance to go to these networking events to help their careers, does that tie in with many people's reluctance to ask for things? So if you have something to give you might enjoy yourself more and appear more comfortable and be better at making connections at networking events. Absolutely. That has a lot to do with it. In in general, people feel that any action that they undertake because they're motivated by concern for others is a lot more morally acceptable than actions that you take out of your selfish concerns. That's a fundamental reason why networking can feel sometimes so uncomfortable. It's because many people approach it with a selfish attitude, and it's very difficult for them to construe professional networking as altruistically driven. But if, the way you described, somebody goes to an event or talks to somebody with the idea that um, resources can come back and forth, it's a two-way street, Uh, you also may have something to offer you approach the relationship with this kind of giving mentality or, or uh, mutual support mentality, automatically your sense of immorality as you engage in it will subside. You feel much more clean from a moral standpoint when you also have something to give. Professor, do you have thoughts on, for someone who feels like they don't have something to give or very much to give, and I personally don't believe that's true. I think everyone has something to give. But say you feel that way. How can do you have thoughts on thinking about, all right, what do I have to give for this event? What can I share what's interesting? Do you have tips on how to get yourself in that place? Yes, absolutely. Well, first of all, I, I should premise that networking doesn't only occur at networking events. Networking, in many ways, um, is a way of life. It's what you do when you encounter human beings on your, in your life in general. So it's a general process by which you build and nurture uh, social relationships. So um, people that are very uncomfortable with the networking event per se, kind of this, this party, the gathering that is intended to help that kind of process, can also kind of extricate themselves from those and conceive of networking as building one-on-one relationships that are more perhaps meaningful to them because they're a little bit deeper. So that's one thing to think about. But even in the general networking event, you're right. People tend to be a little bit narrow in uh, thinking of what, what they can offer in a relationship. We tend to, especially in professional contexts, we tend to think that if I can't enhance the person's career, give them you know, financial resources, give them opportunities for work, I have nothing to give. That's completely um, inaccurate. People are interested and um, eager to be helped in many other ways. So uh, you can think about resources in terms of information. It could be that, for example, a very junior person, just because they belong to a different generation than the senior person, 
just because they hang out in different circles than the senior person, may know something about current trends, social uh, groups, types of people, types of opportunities that somebody else, they may be more senior, more powerful, may, may just not know about. So you may have that kind of input. People are also always eager to receive recognition and gratitude. Uh, one thing that uh, young, um, more inexperienced mentees rarely do is to understand that the person who helps them and supports them also wants to feel good about himself or herself. And allowing them to be recognized and receiving some uh, thankfulness is also a resource. And then, you know, the less powerful person, the less uh, senior person can simply have... Uh, Different innovative way to think about how to perform the work because they come out of a different uh, training, different background, and they just approach the work differently. So anything that feeds into goals that the senior person has, whether the personal goals, self-esteem goals, advancement goals, how to perform the work, everything applies is something you can offer. So you have to be open-minded and, and broad in the way you think about what I can do to help We are going to take a short break to hear from our sponsor. When we come back, we'll hear about how lawyers approach networking differently than other professions. This ABA Journal podcast is brought to you by Westlaw Next. Folder sharing on Westlaw Next enables you to tap into previous research across organizational boundaries like never before, saving you time from reinventing the wheel. Learn more at westlawnext.com. Welcome back. I'm Stephanie Francis Ford, and we're continuing our conversation with Tiziana Kisharo, a professor who recently worked on a study about why people feel dirty networking and how to avoid it. Professor, do you find differences among lawyers and their networking than other professions? We um, investigated lawyers and um, couldn't really compare them with other professions because all the other data we had were from samples of uh, people that work in a whole bar- variety of different environments that we didn't have specific data about. So we can't draw sharp comparisons. What we can say is that the lawyers we studied display the same level of uh, discomfort that we saw in the experimental um, laboratory studies where we ran in addition to this um, study of this law firm. So there were similarities in terms of how people think about approaching a social relationship in a more um, altruistic versus selfish manner. What we found specifically about lawyers is that the way in which approach networking has to do with how frequently they engage in networking, which in turn has consequences for their performance. So specifically, we um, found that Lawyers who feel dirtier in uh, networking, and by, by dirty, we mean exactly that. We asked these lawyers how they felt when they engaged in professional networking, and we gave them all kinds of options. So they, we were asking about positive emotions, including excitement, um, happiness, uh, negative emotions like uh, boredom or anxiety or stress. And in addition to those, we also asked them about how they felt in terms of being ashamed or dirty or uncomfortable. What we found is that this specific sense of shame and dirtiness 
that decreases how often these lawyers engage in networking for professional purposes, which in turn is negatively related to their billable hours, which is, you know, a standard measure of performance in this environment. So they are, it's, it's quite revealing to show that it was a negative association. Huh, that is interesting. Now, your study also found that professionals who had uh, higher positions tended to be more comfortable with networking, correct? That's absolutely correct. We found that more senior lawyers, and here we had the, the classic um, you know, hierarchy going from a junior associate all the way to a partner and equity partner, and we found that uh, the more senior lawyers felt much more comfortable with networking. They didn't experience this dirtiness as much as the junior ones. There are two reasons why that may be happening. One uh, is that um, much research shows that powerful people tend to objectify less powerful people and um, therefore have, may have less trouble treating them instrumentally. The other more positive interpretation of this finding is that more powerful people have more to give. They have more resources by definition. So when they approach a, a relationship, they know that even if they get some advantage from the relationship, they also can reciprocate, and that can make them feel less uh, uncomfortable with the process. Do you think that there is this perception from people of less power? They think someone who, you know, is a very important person in their field, it might be offensive to approach them and ask them for something or try to chat with them. But I wonder if in reality, someone who has a certain level of success in his or her career expects people to come up and introduce themselves and want to meet them. I mean, maybe they even enjoy it to a certain extent. Well, people enjoy attention. Uh, people enjoy flattery. So there is a component of satisfaction in seeing that people seek you out and want to talk to you. So I think that that's true. Um, we shouldn't underestimate that. It's also true that approaching more powerful people just with the objective of extracting benefits from them um, is not particularly productive in the long run because uh, people see through the, the, this more um, exploitative attitude. So even when you go up and, and chat with uh, folks that have more seniority and have something to give to you, even in this case, you have to approach it with the idea that you're also trying to be helpful back. And this goes back to our conversation about what kind of resources, what kind of input is valuable to these senior people. It's something you have to really keep in mind as opposed to going as a leech that just attaches itself <laughs> on these folks and to <laughs> kind of suck blood out of them. Well, you know, you cannot uh, build any relationship with that logic if you want it to be lasting and mutually productive. I know a, a couple of years ago, I was reading something about events in Los Angeles, and the person said they felt like when he was at a networking event, was talking to someone, the person they were talking to always felt, he felt like that person he was talking to was always looking over his shoulder to see if there was someone more important in the room yes. they should be talking to. <laughs> and I think that's a big no, personally. <laughs> that's a big no. That's a big no. I mean, there, is, there should be some level of authenticity in these relationships. 
And if you approach any networking opportunity with this exploitative perspective, when you go and you suck the brain out of people or whatever it is you can suck out of them, um, it's really not uh, the way to go. It may work in the short term. You may get, in fact, some advantages, which may um, reinforce this idea that you can go out and do this kind of, um, you know, leech job on people. But, um, <laughs> but it's really dangerous, and it's also dangerous for you because it turns out that you feel morally tainted when you do that. It's kind of interesting when your body is telling you something. It's telling you that what you're engaging in is uh, nasty and yucky. It, it's a physical reaction that uh, you know, really stems from your, mor- your moral sense of what is right and what is wrong. And being purely um, exploitative of others is something that most people, though not all, tend to be uncomfortable with. All right. Well, Professor, that's everything I have for you. This has been a very interesting conversation. Did you want to add anything else? I think you did a very good job uh, covering the basics. So I think we're probably good. Well, thank you. It was great chatting with you, and I think we can walk away with the idea that chatting and enjoying it could be a big key for professional networking success. No question about it. This conversation didn't feel dirty at all. Okay. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you, Stephanie. This ABA Journal podcast is brought to you by Westlaw Next, powered by WestSearch, the world's most advanced legal search engine delivering the best results in seconds. Learn more at westlawnext.com.